Welcome back to the same 24 hours podcast. Today's guest is Tom Bergeron. You probably recognize him from shows that he hosted like America's Funniest Home Videos. And of course, Dancing with the Stars from 2005 to 2019. And I we talk about in this interview how he basically broke the internet when he and Aaron Andrews posted on their Instagram that they had lunch yesterday. And so everyone was speculating. And so he answers the question, what were they doing? And of course, we talk about his time in radio and TV. And then we go off on a tangent about, not a tangent, but a little side, you know, what do you call that? I'm having trouble. Like yesterday I said circling the barrels and I meant circling the wagons. A rabbit trail? Yeah, I think that's what I'm looking for. (laughs) We went off on a rabbit trail about writing because he is working on his first fiction book. And, you know, anyone that's been following me for any period of time knows that I'm kicking that around too. So interesting conversation. Lots of things talked about from working out to the concept of celebrity, which we just talked about in the interview with Dustin Milligan recently. So love, love, love Tom's take on that. And um, what else do we talk about? I guess you're going to have to listen and find out. But this was a great episode with Tom Bergeron. Hi, and welcome to the same 24 hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I have a wonderful guest today. Tom Bergeron is here. Hi, Tom. Hello there, Meredith. How are you? Oh, my gosh. I am so surprised, honored. I don't know. Pick an adjective that you are here because I <laughs> I Googled interviews with you. You don't do this a lot. I don't do it a lot. I have to say, though, that the the advantage of being able to do it in my own house, you know, <laughs> Is is probably one of the reasons why you're seeing a few more than than uh, in the past. It's right. just well, it's I so, thought it's so apart from the <laughs> fact that uh, what you folks watching right now won't know. It took about five minutes for me to figure out how to get the audio to work. Other than that, other than it's that, easy peasy. Well, I thought for a minute, like the the fear that set in when I realized, <laughs> like he doesn't do a lot of these. Is this a trick? Is this a lesson that he's going to teach me? Yeah, right. Yeah. Zen in the art of interviewing, right? What is the life lesson here? But no, so thank you so much for your time. I told my mother, she's the biggest Dancing with the Stars fan in the world. And she has harassed me every day for the last two weeks. Is today the interview? Is today the interview? (laughs) How are you doing? And, you know, so she knew it was today and we've had a countdown. So hi, mom. Oh, nice. Hello, mom. How are you? Hello, mom. Oh, my goodness. So let's talk first. I want to just do different than probably most interviewers do. I want to talk about your fitness because you love to work out. It's an important part of who you are. So how how long has it been a lifelong thing? Is it new? Like, what do you like to do? Like, let's talk about that. It hasn't really been a lot. I mean, to some degree, yes. I mean, even in my teen years, I, you know, in my hometown, I'd go for a jog around the the, uh, town lake and things like that. But I'll tell you what it really kicked in was, um, 
when I got my first job in Boston television uh, after working in New Hampshire radio and TV for a few years and got my first substantial paycheck, <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I celebrated by uh, drinking a lot of Bass Ale that year. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a little over 5'9". I'm about 5'9 and a half. I got up to 190 pounds, which is too much for too little height. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it was a, a few years later when I, when I was about to turn 40 and I was working on a morning show on FX called Breakfast Time when FX first launched back in 94. And uh, I just I made a New Year's resolution uh, when I got on the scale and it was like 191 that I'll be 160 by my birthday in May. And I got there. I got to 158, running like a madman, you know, working out. And then I don't run as much anymore, but it developed a real love for working out. So I was thrilled when I found out the gyms were opening back up here in California on limited capacity. But uh, I can get back in. Uh, I know, I know. We're so we're outside of Boston, twenty miles. Oh, okay. um, but I'm from Georgia, so we've been up here two years, and we're actually heading back down south. Uh -huh. um, so I'm, I just can't handle the winters. I'm a baby. <laughs> well, now I didn't get back east uh, after November, late October, early November. I was there briefly, but uh, it was a relatively mild winter, wasn't it? I only got a. That's what everyone says, but I, I'm dying. Yeah. I, I see when I'm in California, I judge the severity of the winter by how many bills for plowing I get for our property back east. <laughs> I said, we only got two. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So how important is meditation to you? So I've been Very. doing this podcast for four years. And at mm. the end of the, the each episode, I'll ask a guest, what is something that makes a big difference in your 24 hours? And I swear 80% of people say meditation. Yeah. Well, it's been a really important part of my life going back, geez, even before uh, I got married. So probably 40 years. So uh, since birth? Yeah. I was a prenatal, prenatal meditator. Right. Uh, my, <laughs> my, my late mother said she could, I didn't kick. I, I, I vibrated with a mantra <laughs> in her stomach um, is I think how it went. No, I started meditating, I think in probably my early 20s. And, um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very, uh, important part of my, my life. I do it at least once every day. For how long? Like what? Is uh, about 20 minutes. Yeah. I yeah. do the TM form uh, of meditation and, you know, to me, TM, uh, teachers might take issue with this, but I think meditation is meditation. I think it's, mm. you know, it's like Coke and Pepsi. I mean, you're, you're building, you're building <laughs> well, a mental people might take issue yeah, with that. That's right. I'm sure they will. <laughs> But the, the, you're building a mental muscle, really. And and for me, I use a, a Sanskrit mantra that was given to me years ago. You can use your breath, a word that means something to you, a phrase, you know, a spot on the wall. It's just about being present. So back when I was doing uh, footwork with the famous, uh, <laughs> after the after the dress rehearsal, I'd go into my uh, dressing room, and if I had enough time, if we weren't running late. I'd meditate for about 15, 20 minutes before the uh, the show went live to the East Coast at five o'clock Pacific time. Wow. How do you feel about live TV? Because I know you did, did so many. See, I, I like live stuff too. Yeah, I, I feel like, it. I don't know why. 
Can I tell why? you something, Meredith? Tell of, me why. <laughs> well, here's the thing. One of the things I uh, enjoyed about reading an email from you prepping for this interview was that you don't prepare questions, really. Right. Uh, nor do I ever ask an interviewer for questions. I always like to have a conversation for it to be right. real and in the moment. So live television is that in spades. You know, I mean, it really is. There's no second take. So right. you, you have to uh, be alive to the possibilities that anything can happen. Right. And, and for me, that's exciting. That's like, uh, uh, like a kid in a candy store at that point. So is it like when you're doing Dancing with the Stars, do you have I, I, a I'm not script? doing it anymore. I mean, when you are, when you <laughs> yeah. were doing I know that. <laughs> right. But yeah. when you were doing it, for <laughs> right. example, when you were doing it, what is scripted? Is anything scripted when you're doing live TV? Because I know you yeah. do a lot of ad lib. But yeah, how much- a lot of ad lib. The only thing that's really script that was really scripted when I did the show with Aaron was uh, coming, you know, like going to a commercial, you know, because yeah. the dire- the director might have particular shots that he wants to get at people backstage as we would promote upcoming storylines and dances, and then coming back from the spot if uh, the commercial if if there were specific things. But right. outside of that, all of the reaction to the dancers, to the judges' comments, to whatever was happening. Uh, amongst the participants, that's all. Yeah, that was all ad libbed, and it was something that became important to me after the first season of the show, which was more scripted, and mm. uh, it just wasn't comfortable for me. And so I went to the producers uh, at the beginning of the second season and said, "I really, uh, really would like to not be on that teleprompter so much." And luckily, they they trusted me enough to give me enough rope to potentially hang myself on, on live TV. But it all worked right. out. It all worked out. I feel that way when if I do a speaking engagement and they want the slides ahead of time or, mm. you know, you feel very constrained because what yeah. if the audience is really bored with what you're saying and then your next. I don't know. I, not that I would want to necessarily do live television. <laughs> That's a whole other Ball game, I think. It's hard. I'll tell you, it's it's harder for me to do tape stuff than uh, than, really? than live stuff. Yeah, yeah it really huh. is. Is it because of? Do you think it's tied to your meditation and your focus on presence? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're taping, you're maybe you're not as present, or yeah, I think even like when I did the the video show, uh, and to his credit, Vin Bona, who's the uh, uh, creator and executive producer. Did everything he could to make it as live as possible for me. So we would do an hour show in about an hour twenty, and and the reason right. it took that long was because we had to stop down to explain voting to the studio audience, and then go back and start it up again. Bob Saget, who's a buddy of mine, we we talked about our respective ways of of hosting the show. Now, when Bob did it, it was a half hour show, and he told me sometimes it would take maybe up to three hours to do that because <laughs> he was so he was so particular because he's a wow. he's a comic you know he's right. a uh, i'm a i grew I think up a, with bob's well, yeah i mean not grew up but i watched right. the Bob. yeah right so you know bob as a comedian wanted to score alongside the videos a lot of the time my perspective as a broadcaster was that the videos and i were almost a comedy team and i was the straight man uh, and I'd get in a, you know, an ad lib every so often or play with the audience, but you know, we were there to watch the videos and, and uh, right. I was there to kind of shepherd you through them. Right. 
So I might have admittedly been trying to trick you when I said when you do Dancing with the Stars because uh-huh. I saw your Instagram with Aaron. Yes, yes. Yeah, and you we, broke the internet so... yesterday. So <laughs> what's that? What are y'all doing? What's it up? Was, <laughs> it was so funny because we we hadn't seen each other. Uh, we've certainly been in touch with each other via texts and phone calls and such. Right. But we hadn't been in in hugging range uh, pre-COVID. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so it was great. It was great to, to see her and we're good buddies as I think those pictures, uh, attested to, yeah. but, uh, but to those who were speculating that there was, uh, any hint that there was a return or anything of that nature. No. Okay. You heard it here. Second. Yeah. No, just, just a couple of buddies <laughs> having lunch. That's all. Oh, that's funny. So you got your start in radio broadcast yeah. mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. how hard was it to transition from radio to television did you notice i mean is it a hard transition or the hardest trend yeah it's a good question but the hardest transition as i look back uh over the uh, 900 years of my career uh <laughs> was the transition from uh be- not being a broadcaster to being a broadcaster by that i mean when i started in radio in my hometown, I was 17. Wow. I, I, I was lucky enough to get hired when I didn't know my broadcasting ass from my elbow. And uh, I learned as I, as I earned pretty much, you know, after I graduated high school. And what the hardest thing for me to learn in those early years was just to be myself, was not, not to have yeah. all the artifice of a broadcaster, <laughs> you know, all of that. Oh, kind that's, of, wow. We'll that's right intense. Back. Yeah. You know, not to have that sort of uh, that sort of artificial human quality that some some people yeah. on TV. Well, that's got to be hard to keep up. I mean, even if it is your job, it's got to be hard to keep up that amazing voice. <laughs> no, that well, if I did it like that, uh, but no, you know, just normal talking is is fine. I'll tell you though, I, I am aware, and especially on a live show like the two hour show we used to do on Mondays. Um, it's perf- it's still performance energy. Like I, I I work out at the gym with a personal trainer, and and uh, and she'd tell me sometimes she did eight or nine sessions in a day. I said you must be exhausted. That's a lot of performance energy. And she said oh, I didn't think of it like that. I said but it's true. Each of your clients is different. You have to modulate how you're interact. I mean it's true of anybody in any whether you're parenting, whatever work you're doing. Yeah, we're all to some extent we're all performing. You know, it's a it's a bit of an exaggerated, uh, buffed and polished version of our real selves, you might say. Um, right. So that that can be exhausting. And for me, you know, doing that two hour live show, um, people on the on the staff and the press that would cover the show knew that I would never be around for the press line after. Uh, you know, by the time the copyright hit the air, I was in my jeans and heading out to the, the bar over the Grove. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, just to decompress a little bit. Yeah. Right. I, that's interesting. I've never heard the term performance energy, but you're so right. And it, yeah. it's interesting yeah. when you think about it that way. I mean, I do a lot of CrossFit and mm-hmm. we're friends with some of the CrossFit coaches. And when they talk about, you know, coaching more than three or four classes, you know, yep. I'm like, that's like four hours. Is that a big deal? But it's so like, I really paid attention to the energy they put out, like cheering yeah. us, you know, middle-aged people on jumping on boxes and I'm like, <laughs> right. they have to get tired of that. But even with my kids, like we've been home, 
remote schooling and come eight o'clock, I'm like, no more questions. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Performance but it's energy that, is done. Yeah. It's that same, it's that same thing. I mean, it, it's, it's just the venue I did, it was a more obvious venue because I was on television, but we all do it to some degree. Or yeah. yeah. So you've had this, the shows you've done, there's been a lot this longevity. I mean, you, you yeah. did Hollywood squares for a while, like 15 so, years. Uh, six years of Hollywood Squares, 15 oh, years. years. Yes. Of, the fun, uh, of the videos. Videos was 15. And videos, really, it was just, uh, it was my choice to wrap up my tenure and pass the pinata stick off to Alfonso uh, back when the show hit its 25th anniversary and I right. was uh, hitting my 15th season. So I liked that symmetry. I thought that was a good time to uh, to pass it on. And Alfonso had just recently won the, the dancing competition so his right. his profile had popped within the network so uh i was uh i was championing his cause uh when i decided to leave well my kids obviously i liked america's funniest home videos my kids like it and so i brought my son he's 13 down and i said look who i'm talking to in a little bit and he was like he was the prior guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right that's the right. Prior guy, but he the like prior guy. He was like, I know him from somewhere. Somewhere. Um, well, it's been now what, five years. I think Alfonso's in year number six of his run. Right. So yeah, that would have so. put James. I don't do much. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, seven? you can. Yeah. Every so often, uh, when when a, a a young person was was kind of you you are on TV. Yeah, but imagine me with brown hair. Oh yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's right. Yeah, yeah you so can watch James, it. My son did a good job then. He did a good job. Yeah, he went right past the uh, the hair color difference. Well, his dad used to have brown hair too. So there you go. No there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, but back to what I was trying. My point was you you've stayed places a while. I mean, that's is is that kind of who you are? You like to kind of settle in and get familiar and love what you're doing, or is no. it just ha happenstance? Yeah, it's more happenstance actually. I it. The, the video show and, and the dancing show were aberrations in how long I was at each, 15 years at each. Um, back when I, I, I always thought of myself as having three-year turnovers, uh, a radio sh station in New Hampshire, three years. Uh, but then I, I put a lot of that quickly because I did a, a talk show in Boston for six years. Yeah. Um, but by three years, I was getting itchy. So for, for me to last 15 years on any format was really a tribute to the people in the format. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about? I like to do that sometimes because then everyone goes like this. What's going on in your life? What are you doing? Let's see. Let's, what are we let, Friday? Talk, what are you doing this weekend? Talk about <laughs> nuclear physics. Why don't we talk about, about that? nuclear really? physics? Yeah, What's your no weekend what? like? What do you do? What do you do for fun? Uh, well, um, now that the gyms are open again, my weekday hiking will shift to weekends. Um, and uh, but what I've been doing, I'm doing some writing. I've been doing a lot of fundraising for entertainment organizations. I did. Uh, there's a, a company Cameo you might be familiar with, mm -hmm. where where people can basically pay uh, celebrities to wish them or a family member a happy birthday, congratulations on a job promotion, yada yada yada. And and they had asked me to be part of it for a couple of years prior to COVID. And I just, it wasn't anything that I was particularly interested in doing. But then when, when COVID happened, I thought with all production shut down, uh, it might be a nice way to pass some money on to SAG-AFTRA members uh, who were out of work. I have been mm -hmm. exceedingly fortunate in my career that I, I 
don't have to worry about um, financial issues. So uh, to be able to have a fun vehicle to raise money to pass along. So I did in, in 2020, I did, I think, over 800 of these little cameo videos oh. and managed to pass on about $60,000 to sag after his COVID-19 fund. And now this year I'm doing them for the motion picture television fund because they gave me this great water bottle. <laughs> you want a water bottle? Give me a water bottle. <laughs> it's a really good one. But the motion picture television fund uh, has a campus not far from where I am. And, uh, and, and I've been involved with them for years and it just seemed like a, a great way to kind of shift the focus for those cameos to them this yeah. year. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have any moments in your career that replay in your head? Like, oh my gosh, cause I, I have an example of one. I was a baby lawyer uh-huh. and I was in my first court case. First yeah. it was a divorce trial. And it was just before a judge, the lawyers, the parties. Um, but I, when I asked my question, I said, please state your name for the record. And there was no record because there was no court reporter. Well, but and you were a baby. You were ba- I was you're a probably, baby. You're asking in a little baby voice. It was probably it was a little baby what, voice. What you state your what name you say for the record? That's what I felt like. Yeah. It was weird because I was in this small town and I was in like, I had to play much older than I was because, yeah, right, right. you know, for a lot of reasons. But I sometimes I will lay in bed at night and that will come into my head. And I'm like, for whatever reason, that haunts me and it's the dumbest. Oh, thing. it should. Is there anything like that yeah. in your life? Yeah. yeah. Look, when we were all starting out, we we're, you know, we were learning. And, and yeah. uh, I mean, I, I interviewed uh, Mo and Larry of the Three Stooges oh when gosh. I was 16 years old. Love the three from, students from my childhood home in Massachusetts, uh, in Haverhill. And I w- had a little cassette tape recorder, and my folks were out. and I just happened to call information in California and track down Larry. And then Larry gave me Mo's number. Stop. I, was a, I was a nervous wreck. I mean, we we turned some of those interviews into a special with Howard Stern's uh, Sirius XM channel, so you can hear 16 year old Tom trying no to sound 40. But yeah, I was desperate to sound mature and and worthy of of them taking time to talk to me. But yeah, there's some of the early stuff that I remember. The <laughs> when I was in high school, I was a senior. I got a part time job at the local radio station to do a Saturday night rock music show. Yeah, I was as nervous as I've ever been in my life. I, I have a sense memory of my heart trying to push itself <laughs> through my rib cage. And uh, and what it felt like to open that microphone for the first time and and try to tell a joke, which I'm sure was horrible. But but on Monday, I was walking uh, in the hallway at the high school, and this group of guys went, "Hey, Bergeron, we heard you on the radio Saturday." I just, oh, you sucked. <laughs> yeah. So that's how my career started, Meredith. <laughs> yes and that's an yes, excellent accent yeah. too oh yeah. my gosh yes sucked <laughs> wow yeah i don't i don't know why i think it's it has to do with imposter syndrome and, and i know everyone has that to a degree but i think i go back to and we've been selling our house and i've been dealing in contracts and the whole time i was a lawyer i was like this is not my real life i can't do this that right. i'm just playing a lawyer and so i got out of law and then i was thrust back into it this week doing contracts and stuff. So I think like, that's why I'm having these 
these flashbacks. But is it, um, uh, is it like riding a bicycle? Do you find that you have all the skill sets yeah, still the, there? Latent? The same like vomit comes up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the good. same oh, dread. All right. You know, the same <clears throat> hatred for a, the other lawyer. Yeah, it's all there. It's fresh, oh, wonderful. Fresh. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to something you said about celebrity. You had put the word celebrity in quotes when yeah. referencing yourself. And it's interesting because I talked to Dustin Milligan, who's on that show, Shit's Creek. And he oh, yeah, also, we had a whole discussion about celebrity yeah. and what it means. And so what did you mean by your air quotes? Well, I, you know, I, it just seems silly. Uh, the whole celebrity thing seems silly. You know, the, the I, it's, it's one thing to, um, and this is just my own personal thing, but it's, it's, it's one thing to enjoy the craft or artistry or skill that somebody brings to a profession, but to, you know, to somehow uh, put them on pedestals or, or um, obsess over what they ate or who they're dating or, you know, any of that nonsense. Um, I, I just, I just find the whole thing somewhat distasteful, I think. Um, and I'll tell you, it, and it's underscored by the fact that as my career continued and I got to become friends with people whom I had admired from afar, you know, like the late Carl Reiner was a friend of mine for, for yeah. over 20 years. Um, <clears throat> William Shatner is a buddy who, uh, you know, I grew up watching on Star Trek and, and, and things like that. And what happens is they, they, you know, they're, they're people. You know, they're just regular folk who do something that happens to be uh, more recognizable than other jobs. But uh, but they all we all kind of deal with the same stuff. Yeah. You know, um, so I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's it's just a whole thing that I find, you know, like uh, when people talk about my fans or, you know, you know mm, yeah. that, it's just a terminology thing that makes me wince a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Well, my mom will now cringe and I said poop to Tom Bergeron. So that'll go in the thing that keeps me awake now. Well, at I least you didn't poop. say shit, right? You could have said shit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. So tell mom, I said poop, but he said shit. He said shit. She'll be like, oh, Meredith. Yeah. Um, how is social media? I mean, you <laughs> social media... 10 years ago, when I started blogging, there was no social media, not really. Mm -hmm. So in 10 years, just what I, the little bit I've seen, it's crazy. So yeah. what, what yeah. is your impression? Like the global backup, you've been in this for a while. What do you think about social media? I think it's, uh, it has slowed down the evolution of the species uh, <laughs> yeah. markedly. Uh, hmm. I think, I think it gives easy access to our basest instincts a lot of the time um you know and that's unfortunate uh you know uh you see especially i'm so grateful that i wasn't growing up in this age of right. social media it's just it's so easy to be uh bullied and and feel isolated and and uh ascribe importance to nonsense um so yeah, I think I think look, there are obvious benefits to it, but we've we've also seen over the past few years how people in power can use it uh, as a weapon, um, and uh, and you know people can be led astray by it quite easily. So you know I think I think we have a lot of growing up to do uh, in terms of our use of social media. 
Yeah. And you're right about that. I've got a 13 year old and a 12 year old uh, yeah. boys, 13. And it's just, I mean, we've kept them off. They don't have, they have no access to Facebook or Instagram or, yeah. um, and I figure the longest every year for Christmas, it's on their list this year. I would like Instagram. And I say, Santa doesn't know how to deliver that. That's a very, <laughs> that's a Wait, specific how, request. How, how old are they? 13 and 12. And they're still buying the Santa thing, huh? Okay, whatever. <laughs> they're very smart. What? Yeah, all right. No, they yeah. don't buy it. They don't buy it at all. Um, I say Instagram comes with their car. Oh, <laughs> they're, all right. They're not Fair getting enough. a car either. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they're hope they're not it. watching this. No, they, <laughs> they would realize never. They're being scammed. I know, total scam, total <clears> scam. <throat> so what is important to you now in, in your 40s? Yeah, um, thank you for in that. In your 40s. Yeah. That was, <laughs> or 40s. like, what is not, let's start with that. What's not important to you now that might have been important to you 20 years ago? You know, it's interesting. It's the first time over the past few years that I don't have that fire in my belly to be on television anymore, uh, which is not to say that I won't be. It's just that it's not, the, it's not a driving force anymore like mm. it used to be. I think part of that was, um, you know, getting to a point in my life where I, I kind of looked at uh, what my wife and I had been able to build to this point and go, oh, wait a minute, we, we could stop now if we, if we wanted to. Um, you know, that's why I started with the COVID situation and, and, um, and, and the dancing show going in a different direction. I had more time, and so I started doing some writing. I've been really enjoying that and, oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, and just enjoying life. Uh, in the midst of this bizarre time we're in, uh, I've been very fortunate to live in an area where I can go out and go hiking, and, uh, you know, uh, be with family more. And I, I did make a couple of trips uh, back east briefly because we have family back there as well and property back there. But um, I guess what's important to me now is using the time well, not 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 wasting it. Um, you know, again, by being present, being, you know, what, what is fulfilling, what is challenging, what is exciting, um, and looking at it through that prism. What are you writing? Um, it's, it's a, a novel uh, called Drive Time. It's a, a coming-of-age story, largely comedic, uh, set in the se early 70s. Um, there is certainly uh, autobiographical influences but it, it, it's not autobiographical uh it, it features a, a a 18 year old a new beta radio in a fictitious town in new hampshire and uh and his desperate attempts to get laid <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah it's like that's, a, pretty, a, that's yeah. pretty much it in a nutshell i mean that's pretty much it in a nutshell right that's what mm -hmm. life's about oh yeah. that's great do you have a publisher no, I don't even, I don't have a deadline. I don't have a, an okay, agent. When I you're ready, I, I want to, yeah. I want to connect you to my publisher Oh, okay. because then you can be, have your great publisher and I can be a hero. See how All this right. works. Yeah. Well, I, yes. Okay. Well, this yeah. is proving to be a very fruitful conversation. That's right. Uh, but what I like is because a friend of mine, uh, Lori Gelman, uh, who was, when she was Lori Hibbard was, uh, we, we co-hosted the breakfast time show. And she's written now three books. Uh, Class Mom is the first one. Uh, You've Been Volunteered is the second one. I think the third one comes out uh, soon. 
and uh, Yoga Pants Nation, I think is the third one. And she's so she's such a good writer. She's really, really funny, and and uh, we're 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 good buddies. So she's seen some of what I've written. I, I trusted her with nice. Uh, yeah. So she's been she's been cheering me on. So I write. I've written nonfiction, and mm-hmm. my whole life I thought I'm going to write fiction i want yeah. to write fiction i want to grow old with my big glasses and my silk robe and write fiction like that's yeah. my dream yeah and so i started during the pandemic i started working on my fiction book and i killed off my protagonist and then i was in the shower and i started weeping that i killed off my protagonist and i thought i'm not ready for this <laughs> i just put it away i was like if i'm gonna act like this it oh, was too interesting. much it was weird now, now when you killed off your protagonist <laughs> were there other options available to you that would not have uh, put a lie to the rest of the story or was it yeah. a necessary death i think it's a necessary death i still stand by it because i'm still okay n- i put that aside because i'm working on my third nonfiction book yeah but i think it has to happen and I think the the thing that scares me about fiction is it runs away. You know, you sit down to write and then you emerge and the whole stories run away. You sat down to write something. That's interesting you're saying that because I'm having the exact opposite experience. Really? My experience is uh, somewhat similar to what I've heard uh, actual published. Now, I, I have one book out from years ago called I'm Hosting as Fast as I Can. Or, yeah, Hosting as Fast. I have to check the title. It's been <laughs> 11 years. Um, but, but that was anecdotal stuff. And, and it really was a book about meditation. And I just uh-huh. used anecdotes to kind of uh, sort of, it was a covert book about meditation. But what I'm finding in, in writing fiction uh, in this experience is because I kind of know where it's going in a general sense, I'm finding surprises along the way. It's almost like like there was a a, a moment the other day when I was writing, where uh, suddenly a couple of characters occurred to me that I hadn't planned on having there, and and now I see them as integral to getting us to where we need to go. So there, in the way that doing a live television show gave me the opportunity to trust mm. that there are opportunities here. That I, I'm not going to know what those opportunities are going in. They're going to happen in the moment. And that's kind of what's happening. I said to Aaron, because Aaron was asking me very much the same thing when we had lunch yesterday. And I said, Aaron, it's like I'm hosting a story. And suddenly I get an idea, like I would get an ad lib yeah. idea on the set. And I go in that direction and that feeds to something else. But having a general, it's almost as if you're, you're, you're taking a vacation. You know that you want to drive to uh niagara falls or whatever so you know that's my destination you just don't know how many side streets you might take to get there or what sites you might see uh that might make the trip even richer so that's kind of a long way of saying i'm having the exact opposite experience of yours Meredith. well i don't know if it's the exact opposite because i know where i'm going right right? when i say it runs away Mm -hmm. so i i kind i know the plot i know how to I know where I'm going, right? I yeah, knew the protagonist yeah. was always dying. I knew okay, that. Okay, all right. But how it got there is what broke my heart. And that was new. Oh, okay. That was yeah, new. That's great. That's that sense of um, discovery. It scares me. It's so weird. I will write a memoir about my life and tell everyone about my underwear. But to mm-hmm. make up a story feels more vulnerable. And I'm having to <laughs> like deal with that. And it's very weird. That is, um, okay. 
All right. I so let me, I want to pursue this. Just this is going to be like your therapy session, Meredith. Okay, good. Um, they always so, turn into that anyway. Right. Podcasts. So, so your protagonist you knew was going to uh, perish by story's end. Yeah. Um, how did the nature of your protagonist's demise change? I mean, did it become more tragic, yeah. more yeah. painful, less sudden? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Right. Yeah. Right. So I'm, and, and I'm also realizing that I'm a little bit darker, like a little bit Jillian Flynn versus Judy Bloom. You know what I oh, mean? Like I kind of okay. have, you know, gone girl, sharp objects kind of edge. So I'll All be right. writing something and then it'll just take a dark turn. And then I end up in a cave somewhere and I emerge and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. I just wrote that. Um, and so I think part of it's that it's really, I've always written, but I haven't really written stories. Mm -hmm. I've written, mm -hmm. you know, articles. And so I think it's understanding. And really, this is about becoming who we are. Yeah. Like life is right. Showing yeah, yeah. up who we are. And so right, I right. think realizing that, oh, you're just kind of dark and twisty, like they used to say <laughs> on Grey's Anatomy. You're just kind of dark <laughs> and twisty. It's fine. Yeah, like, be there. And your, your, your mom will be okay. <laughs> we right. talk about mom a lot, but I think about that. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, but I think it's amazing that you're, you're right. You said you hit 40,000 words recently, oh, right? 20,000, 20,000. Yeah. 20,000. That's um, huge. So, and, and, you know, because I don't have a deadline, I can, uh, I can kind of do it as, as the whim hits, but I try to be semi-disciplined. I, I've, I've put aside a couple hours a day where I, I do bring it up and, and just start tapping the keyboards and see what happens. But I, I plan to, Lori told me that she's got a deadline for her fourth class mom novel, uh -huh. uh, September. I said, all right, good. I'm going to, I'm going to, my Torian need for a schedule uh, has kicked in. So I'm, I'm treating your deadline as my deadline. So, so I'm aiming Beautiful. for September as well. Yeah. Beautiful. So when you're done with it, you'll contact me and I'll get you a publisher. It's that easy. No, first, yeah, first works. you'll. First, you'll read it, and then you'll go, oh, my God, why did I ever suggest that he contact my publisher? I mean, you already have more of a clue what you're writing about than I'm over here doing. So it sounds great to me. Okay. And it's got, it's got someone trying to get laid. I mean, you can't go wrong with that, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have and, got and, to wrap And by up. the way, I know it yeah. has a happy ending. <laughs> so There so it there. is. I was so waiting there. for the fun, the fun of go. the episode. <laughs> that was good. Okay, so we got to wrap. I have to honor your time. So, oh, thank you. Wow, that went fast. I know. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Indeed. So this podcast, the same twenty four hours, meaning we all have the same twenty four hours in our day, but it's yep. what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. Mm -hmm. So, aside from meditation, what is something that you do in your twenty four hours that you can kind of point to and say, "This makes my twenty four hours great." Yeah, well, uh, a, a standard day, a, a typical day of late, and, and now with the gym open, I can include this in my typical day happily. Uh, but yeah, I, I have the New York Times delivered, so I like that tactile feeling of a real newspaper. So I uh, stagger down the driveway, pick that up in the morning over my first cup of coffee, and uh, then I'll meditate after. You know, I've kind of woken my brain up a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll go outside if it's nice and meditate for about 20 minutes to a half an hour, uh, then write for a little bit, uh, or 
you know, go to the gym first for a training session, then come back and do some riding lunch with friends. As you saw in my Instagram post yesterday, I've got a couple other friends from the show that I haven't seen in a while. I'll be lunching with soon. And uh, oh, now <laughs> everyone will really be talking. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah. so, it's only lunch. It's Let me tell lunch. you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, then Lois and I have found lovely uh, shows to binge on at night. Uh, you know, streaming services could not have happened at a better. If you're going to have a pandemic, <sighs> seriously, have streaming services because it's 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 been a godsend. It really has. Yeah. Have you yeah. made it through Breaking Bad? No, I stopped. It's interesting. I, I years ago, I watched like the first season. And for whatever reason, because it wasn't all available at once, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I just kind of, you know, it was like uh, in <laughs> in the forgot. movie it Up. Just, like, fell it, off. Yeah, the movie Up when the dog goes squirrel. It was like that. <laughs> I just right. found something else that got it got my attention. Uh, but we've been streaming a lot of uh, uh, Canadian shows actually. Yeah. That we've fought, like Murdoch Mysteries and Corner Gas, which is a wonderful sitcom set in Saskatchewan, or Kim's Convenience is a sitcom uh, set in Tor modern day Toronto. So we just kind of went into uh, my Canadian heritage and, and started binging all those shows. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. With the Breaking Bad. So my husband and I started watching it years ago and he just took off and kept going and left me in the dust. And I'm yeah. just not a, I, I can't catch up. And so I said, why don't we start that again? Yeah. And so we started it in episode four. I got up to do some laundry and I come back and he's already an episode ahead of me. And I was like, are you <laughs> seriously doing this to me again? Like, <laughs> are you doing this to me again? Wow. But what Breaking Bad showed me, you know, they it's about this teacher going bad and Walter doing, White, you know, yeah. Walter White. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. creating doing meth cooking or whatever. But we were so bored during this pandemic. Um, it, it starts to make you think like we could make a meth lab, couldn't we? Like that would be something fun we could do this weekend, you know. Yeah. Just like see now, this is interesting. You won't let your kids have Instagram, but, but we'll you're, run a meth lab out of our a meth lab with your husband. Right. All right, total, it makes total sense. You know, it's a value judgment. What can you say, right? I'm keeping them safe, but for my own life, whatever. That's, that's right. Whatever. Raise a little cash on the side. That's right. All right, Tom. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was fun. A pleasure, Meredith. Really, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.